We're talking about God stories this morning. Um, and I heard a great uh, God story was last week with Pastor Rob. I heard he did a great job. Um, if you're here for the 11, Pastor Frank gave his God story. And um, you got my God story this morning. And uh, uh, on Sunday morning last week, Pastor Carl was going to go on vacation. He called me up. He's like, guess what, Tom? Guess what? You're preaching all weekend. Great. And so from Sunday to Wednesday, I was a ball of stress. Because I'm going, what am I going to say? What am I going to tell you guys? What story? And you know what? God has done amazing stories in my life. Uh, has done amazing things. And can I have a show of hands? How many guys have a God story? Come on. Man, you guys have a God story. And we all do. And I was really praying to the Lord and... Really, he said, you know what? Talk about your God moments. And that's the title of my sermon uh, this morning is to talk about the God moments in my, in my life. And when I say moments, it's the moments that change your life. Anybody had those before? The moments that have changed your life. And um, there's like, un, uh, there's not ungodly moments. I'm talking about the moments that are beside God. That, you know, how about, you guys have like uh, a favorite band. Like imagine the first time you heard that band. That just changed you. Like, oh my gosh. When I, I remember when I was in junior high, you know, I'm a metalhead at heart. And the first time I heard Metallica, I'm like, yeah. You know, I remember junior high, I'm like, yeah, Metallica. You know? Um, how about the, uh, anybody have a hobby or a sport? Imagine the first day that you tried that, whatever it was, that you actually love, that you love doing it. Imagine the first day. I remember the first day I stood up on a surfboard at Kalama Shore Breaks. Come on, Shore Breaks, anybody? Silence. Okay. There's some good waves over there. Come on, that's where I learned how to surf. Um, how about, how about the, the, the day that you met your future spouse? You, you better remember that day. You know, I remember the first day I met my wife in the junior high trailer in a singles event. The singles events work here, guys. I met my wife at one of them. Go to them. Um, I remember that day. How about the day that, that uh, your kids were born? Didn't that change your life? But here's the one thing I was thinking about. And what changed my life? What were the moments that stuck out in my life, that stand out? It's those God moments. And what I mean by the God moments is when God, I, I literally experienced God in such a profound way. It was like looking at him face to face, and he revealed something to me, or he set me free, or he, he built my faith. Anybody, anybody with me? You know, and those moments in my life literally could have been a second or like a whole day or a week or whatever it was, but it was just this, I don't have a whole story of, you know, like Pastor Rob was talking about how he, his marriage was healed and God all did, did, did this, but I think there are moments in our lives that we really have to recognize God designed it and planned it for your life. Amen. And the one thing I want to encourage you today is to ex expect and pursue God moments in your life. That's what I'm going to be talking about today. I'm going to talk about the God moments that happened in my life. But I want to say one thing. We are a church today because of God moment. You are sitting in a wonderful church called Hope Chapel Kaneohe Bay because someone had a God moment. Um, our founding pastor, Pastor Ralph, and I might be butchering this story, but he was flying back on vacation from Hawaii. He was flying back to California because he had to do church. He had a very successful church in California. And on the plane, he had to go take a pee. That's right. I said pee in church. Um, that's the story. I mean, how holy is that? Right? I got to go use the bathroom. So on the way to the bathroom on the airplane, God gave him a vision. And you know what he saw back in the early 80s? This is what he saw. He saw himself on a hill overlooking Kanyoi Bay, surrounded with people from Kanyoi, local people. That's what he saw in the early 80s. 
Have you figured out where we have church today? We're on a hill overlooking Kanyoi Bay with people from Kanyoi. Come on. We're talking about a God moment. And when one man decided to obey God because he figured out that God was saying, move to Hawaii, leave your successful church, and go start a church on a beach. And here we are, a God moment. And when I'm talking about God moments, I want to actually say the sermon that I'm preaching now is because of a God moment. Like I said, from Monday to Wednesday morning, I was a ball of stress. Anybody had a peaceful night of sleep, and then right in the last moment when you woke up, you thought of something, and you're, whatever you're dreaming and whatever it is, and you just woke up in a panic. Anybody? It's like, last night, well, okay, I'll, I'll pray for you. Awesome, cool. Um, it happened on Wednesday morning. I'm just like, uh, and literally, I don't know what, it popped in my brain, you still have no sermon. My God! I have no God story to tell. I don't know what to preach to you guys. Wednesday morning, guys. Ball of stress, anxiety. And there was a verse that just popped up in my head. I'm like, Lord Jesus, you got to help me. Because I was thinking about it for three days, and I was getting nothing. And I, was, I had all these random things. I'm not, I'm not sure how to put it together. And God just said, calm down, Tom. Remember Matthew 11, verse 28? The message version? Remember that? I want to read it to you. This is the verse that came to mind lying in my bed in, in, in stress. It said this, are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me. This is Jesus talking, by the way. Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you, Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Come on. How many of you guys are glad you came to church just to hear that? And, you know, when I woke up in a panic and to think of this verse, I got the peace that surpasses all understanding. I'm like, ah. And so at that moment, I really thought it was just God trying to calm me down and just say, hey, just come away with me. And so, you know, I was going to plan on Wednesday. I'm like, you know what, I'm going I'm I'm to just hang out with the Lord. I'm going to come away with him, and he's going to show me his, um, his sermon. He, he, he's going to show me what he wants me to tell you guys. And so I drove up to work, and guess what I saw? I saw the kids on the skate ramp right before they're gearing up for the, the conference, the second day of conference. And so I told God this. I'm all, I want to come away with you after I ride the ramp. And so I literally walked over here, um, like pretending like I was going to do ministry, hang out with the kids. Like, hey, guys, I'm the executive pastor, Tom. How are you guys doing? You guys enjoying? I'm like, can I borrow a helmet? Can I get a board? Thank you. And I was like, you know, I was literally right, right in the ramp. And then the conference started. I walked in here and just 200 plus kids worshiping Jesus. Just going for it. How many guys were there? Come on. Okay, cool. They're probably worshiping Jesus somewhere else. Okay, cool. Um, they were worshiping. They're probably sleeping right now. Um, and then they had guest speaker Samuel Laws from San Francisco get up. And he started preaching a sermon. So I was like, you know, I want to hear this guy. I mean, you know, he befriended Brad and Brad invited him over. And so it's like, cool, I want to hear what this guy has to say. And so he stood up. He said, today I'm talking about pursuing Jesus. I'm like, oh, cool, awesome. Then the next thing he said was, I'm going to be reading from Matthew 11, verse 28. My ears perked up at that moment because you know what? I recognize this could possibly be a God moment right now. Actually, I, I didn't say possible. I'm like, I'm in a God moment. I better listen. Okay, God, what are you trying to say to me? And so he started preaching this word and he said the most amazing thing. 
And, um, and, and here's the thing I want to tell you guys and, and really uh, kind of impress on you on, on this sermon. And he said this. He says, if you think you stopped growing in the Lord, if you stopped growing in Jesus, maybe you stopped pursuing him. That hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, wow, that is so true. Maybe we have stopped growing in the Lord because at some point in our Christian walk, we just stop pursuing him. We just kind of, yeah, I go to church. Yeah, I read the Bible. But we're not pursuing him. And he said another thing. and It was really interesting. He said, you know, at this conference, there's going to be moments when you meet with God. There's going to be moments when God speaks to you. And because Jesus will speak to you because you are pursuing him, he will take you to another level. He will take you to a place that you, will, you were never there before. And it's like, whoa, he will, he'll set you free. He'll build your faith. He'll reveal something about him. And in that moment, I just sat there and going, there's my sermon. Because I thought about all the God moments that I have had in my life. All the, the things I was like, man, all, every single God moment that grew me up, that, that made me into the person that I am now, and actually activated me to do what I do now. They're powerful God moments. And so the main thing I want to tell you guys today, this is the main thing, you want to write this down, is that God moments causes growth spurts. Are you hearing me? God moments cause growth spurts. And, that, you know, if you see me, I'm 5'2". I've been waiting for a growth spurt for a long time. <laughs> but thank the Lord that I can actually grow in the Lord, that I can be 90-something and still grow in the Lord. And I want to pursue and expect God moments. And then it's those moments that really take me to another level. Because I don't want this just to be a come get away with the Lord and get close to, to him sermon. I want this to be come get close to the Lord. Let him reveal something. Let him build your confidence. And now he's going to grow you up and you're going to do amazing things for the Lord. That's the sermon that I want to preach uh, today, this morning. And um, I want, uh, before I share my God moments... To you, uh, the moments that changed my life, made me to who I am today. Um, I want to go to the Bible because uh, I, I love the God moments in the Bible. Um, and here's a few of them. Um, if you know the Bible in Genesis 15, this is one of my favorite ones because it's like, it's so weird. Uh, Abraham was seeking the Lord and he was camping out and he had a fire going and he was about to fall asleep. And God literally just picked up a smoking pot of, I'm not sure what it was in, what was, was in it, and then he had a flaming torch. And before that, um, um, Abraham was sacrificing these animals, and he was like in two halves or something like that. And these, the smoking pot and the flaming torch, while he was about to fall asleep, he witnessed this, these two things pass in between the carcasses of the animal. That's weird. That's a God moment. And he realized it was God reconfirming the covenant that he had with him. Basically, God was saying, hey, look at this. This is a covenant with me that I will make you into a great nation. That'll change your life, wouldn't it? If you were camping one day, come on. If you were camping and you saw all your stuff fly by you, like, what the? You know, you better, you better recognize that. Um, in Genesis 32, there's Jacob. If you guys remember this story, Jacob wrestled with God. Right? He was struggling with something, and then it says a man came to him, and, and Jacob wrestled with him. And then, and then the man touched him, and he had a limp for the rest of his life. And he recognized that it was God. And in that moment, this is a huge thing, 
You guys remember what happened after that? God changed his name to what? You guys know your Bible. God changed Jacob's name to Israel. Um, have you heard of that name before? It's a nation that exists today. A God moment is proof in a nation that we know exists today, Israel. It's named that because of this God moment, that, God, that Jacob wrestled with God. Um, you guys know this one in Exodus 3, or if you watch the Ten Commandments with Charles and Heston, um, the burning bush. God called Moses up into the mountain, and there was this burning bush that talked to him. And, God, and Moses is like, okay, I'll follow you. Ah, that's a God moment. Another one is, is uh, when Elijah, I love this one, Elijah uh, was seeking God, and there was a fire and an earthquake and all these huge things, and then God spoke to Elijah in a what? A gentle whisper. I love this one because, you know what? I don't want your expectations, uh, expectations of God moments to be always these huge, incredible, grandiose miracles and angels show up and go, hey, how you doing? Whatever it is. I really believe God moments can, can happen in a second when God speaks to you in a whisper. We are the ones that have to perk up our ears and go, wait, okay, I acknowledge that. We have to perk up our ears to that. Um, another one is when Paul, the Apostle Paul, his name was Saul, and he was on the road to Damascus, and Jesus showed up. Why are you doing this to me? Why are you killing all these Christians? Don't do that anymore. And Paul's all, okay. Pretty, Jesus was pretty convincing, and that was a God moment where, God, where Paul got converted, and he became one of the greatest apostles that ever lived. Another moment was with Peter, James, and John. How many of you guys remember this one? Peter, James, and John followed Jesus up into the mountain. And then Jesus was there. And then all of a sudden, Moses showed up. And then all of a sudden, Elijah showed up. And they're freaking out. Oh, my goodness. There's Jesus. There's Elijah. There's Moses. And then God's voice cried out and said, look, here's Jesus. It says, this is what God said in Matthew 17. This is my dearly beloved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. Peter, James, and John Witness this whole thing. That's a God moment right there. It affected him so much later on in, in 2 Peter, in, in one of Peter's letters uh, to one of the churches. He says this in, in 119. He says, because of that experience on the hill, on that mountain when God spoke, because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. And see, this is what I'm getting at, guys, is that that experience gave Peter confidence. He was taken to another level to preach the gospel with more effectiveness, with more power, with more boldness. He grew up in that moment. He witnessed it and go, whoa, what's going on? And he had a growth spurt. He's like, whoa, wait a I experienced that? I can do things for the Lord because you can't tell me that God and Jesus does not exist. No way. And I'm going to give my life to him. You know, in my life, um, I would have to say I've had some pretty powerful God moments, but I haven't seen a burning bush. So don't, you know, I haven't seen anything fly in between a carcass. Um, I haven't wrestled with God. But I have had some profound, incredible, life-changing moments with God. Uh, one of my early ones was when the first time I experienced the Holy Spirit. We talked about the Holy Spirit earlier in the year and just partnering with Him and experience. When I was at a youth camp at Camp Timberline, anybody went to Camp Timberline before? I know these guys. Said, Come on, we got some memories. We got, there were some God moments at, at Camp Timberline, let me tell you. 
And uh, you know, it's like, it, I think it was our first youth camp. And I remember, and we've, sorry, there's going to be stories that you've heard before. Sorry, you're stuck. It's like you're watching my vacation slideshows. Come on. Oh, we're going to watch it again. Um, but I was at youth camp. And I was praising the Lord, and I was right next to Pastor Carl. He wasn't a pastor back then. We were junior hires. Okay. And so we were holding hands in the middle of worship. And I just felt something, a jolt, just jump from my right to my left. I was like, whoa, what is that? Wow, that was, that was weird. After the song, me and Carl looked at each other. Like, and I'm not sure who said it, but like, well, did you, did you feel that? Like, that was weird. And he's all, yeah, that thing that went from our right to the left. Yeah, did you feel that? And I realized that was the Holy Spirit just, just zapping us in that moment. And here's the thing that's really significant to me, and I know Carl has preached this before, is that in that moment, I really believe that, that God marked it for both of us that we're gonna be partners in, in, in the, for the cause of Christ, that we're gonna be working. And I wanna tell you, 30 years later, look where we're at now. And I, I think about that day. I think about that day when God tied us together through his Holy Spirit. That was a significant God moment day for me. I remember the day when I was encouraged to, I read a book um, called Waking the Dead by John Eldridge. And John Eldridge has a story when he went into the wilderness and he, he spent four days hanging out with the Lord and he asked God, who, do you, who am I to you? He asked God a very bold question. Who am I to you? And God gave him an answer. You know what God told him? You are my William Wallace. Anybody know who William Wallace is? Braveheart. Anybody watch the movies here? Come on. You got to get Netflix. Come on, let's go on. You know, and Braveheart, it's the story of William Wallace, the hero of Scotland, whatever it is. And so God told uh, John Eldridge, you are my William Wallace. So you know what I got? I got really inspired. I'm going to ask God the same question. I'm going to be the, the, the William Wallace of the Philippines. Let's do this, you know. I was ready to hear that word. And so I asked God. I spent time with him. Who am I to you? You know what he answered me, finally? You are Samwise Gamgee from the Lord of the Rings. I know you heard this story, but I'm going to tell it again. Basically, can I reword this? He called me a hobbit. I'm like, God, I'm really disappointed with that answer. You're killing me, Lord. I already have a short man syndrome and I'm a hobbit to you? <laughs> but here's the thing. After I got over that, because I've read the book, I watched the movies, and it was confirmed in my heart, that's exactly who I am. That's how God made me. I am Samwise Gamgee. The qualities of what he carries and what he did and, and how he helped Frodo, that is me. And I had to own that up, right? So I'm proud to have big feet and hairy feet or whatever it is and... You know, uh, however a hobbit looks like. I'm proud to be called Sam. At that moment, I'm like, hey, God, I'm Sam. That's it. And so that was a God moment, don't you think? That's a God moment. Okay, and so another God moment that's related to that is one day I, I, we decided to go uh, visit a very trustworthy woman who, uh, who practices in prophecy. She knows she's, she's really good at giving prophetic words, and she's, very, she's an elderly woman. She loves Jesus, so we trust her, trust her words. And so we all went with a group. And we sat down. She was giving a word for me. And at the end of the word, she said this really weird thing. She said, well, then, you know what? Now, you go ahead and do it, Sam. You go, go ahead and go do the work, Sam. Work hard at it. And I'm like, okay. And, and then everyone's freaking out. And they're like, um, excuse me, no, his name is Tom. And then she's like, no, I know his name is Tom. I'm calling him Sam. And I'm sitting there just speechless going, that's what God calls me. That's what God, God calls me, Sam. I'm like, ha, ha. 
that's a God moment. That was God confirming what his plan is for me. Are you hearing me? Okay. Now, I'm saying all this, please. I'm not trying to brag. I'm saying this because I am, God moments are not exclusive to pastors and leaders and people from the Bible. God wants you to have the same exact powerful, profound moments in your life because he wants to reveal something to you. He wants to build your faith. He wants to give you confidence. He wants to take you to another level. Are you with me? He wants to take you there. I want to share one more because it relates to a God story later on, I'm going to tell you. Um, I remember a, a powerful God moment in my life. I shared this years back. Um, that's the trouble with preaching a lot. It's like I re- I've already shared all my God stories. I don't have anything left. Um, but here's one. I was in, I was in, actually, I was in Seattle. I was in Seattle at the time. I went on a cruise with my parents. They paid for me. Thank you, Lord. And uh, I had a free day in Seattle, so I decided to go thrift stop shopping. And, um, and hang out with God. So I was really just seeking the Lord at that time. Because, you know, I'm like, God, if you want to speak to me, let's do this. So I was all by myself, cruising Seattle. And God specifically told me where to go. He literally, I was walking around, and he said, go here. And I'm like, that's weird, that God wants to meet me to go to a specific spot. And so he told me, okay, I went. I just, I just following the Lord. It was around the Pikes Place area. And so I walked. And lo and behold, I actually bump into an old friend of mine. It was really weird, right in the exact spot where God told me to go. Just bumped into her. And this is a, a, a woman that uh, I haven't seen in a while. Um, she moved to the mainland, got married. And the interesting thing was this, that for the, for the like two or three years before that, God was really impressing on my heart to contact this person and ask for forgiveness. I heard her. I did some things that I shouldn't have done. And I was like, man, it's like, so God was really putting out of my heart to actually ask her for forgiveness. But I didn't know how to get a whole, in touch with her. This is before Facebook. I didn't know what to do. I was like, okay, God, whatever it was. And so I'm walking down. I'm all, okay, here I am, God. And then I'm like, whoa, hey. She's like, hey, Tom Tom. I'm like, ah. <laughs> and then it's like, God's like, okay, I've given you the opportunity. Ask her for forgiveness. I'm like, ah. Okay, and so we sat down, we caught up, and I asked, I said, you know what, of all the things I've done, can, you, can I ask you for your forgiveness? She starts bawling. I start crying. By the way, her husband's sitting right there, very awkward. <laughs> very awkward. I went with it anyway. I'm like, Lord Jesus, I cannot let this God moment pass me by. So I did it, we're crying, we hugged, we left. And let me tell you, when I walking back to my hotel, I was so fired up on Jesus Christ because he killed two birds with one stone. He had two God moments combined into one. It's like, yeah, see, see, see what I can do if you follow my lead. See what I can do. Because I see the bigger picture and you don't. So you just got to trust me. I'm like, okay, God, I get it. I get it. That was a God moment in my heart. And so uh, before I tell you another God story um, that's kind of related to that, I kind of want to make sure that you understand the scripture that uh, we were reading earlier about Matthew 11, verse 28. There's a couple of things that I don't want you to miss about this verse. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, if you put it in context, you'll see what I mean. Uh, in verse 20, uh, Matthew 11, verse 20, here's Jesus before he tells all these beautiful words about coming away with me and, you know, and uh, uh, ride my unforced rhythms of grace. He says this, 
He says, then Jesus began to denounce the towns where he had done so many of his miracles because they hadn't repented of their sins and turned to God. What sorrow awaits you, Chorazin and Bethesda, uh, Bethsaida? For if the miracles I did in you have done, uh, that had been done in wicked Tyre or Sidon, their people would have repented of their sins long ago, clothing themselves in burlap and throwing ashes in their heads to show their remorse. There's a thing you have to catch here. Jesus was saying, oh, woe to you. Pity on those, those towns of Chorazin and Bethsaida. Woe to you. And were these bad towns? No, they actually were, they weren't really evil towns. Actually, some of the disciples came out of these towns. But what God was saying was what Jesus was saying, I did tons of miracles. I did great, amazing things in your cities in front of all these people. But you know what? You didn't recognize me. You didn't acknowledge that it was me. And you downplayed it. And you said, nope, it can't be. It's a, it's a coincidence. This guy's a fluke or whatever it is. And you didn't acknowledge that it was God. And it didn't lead you to repentance or anything. And the lesson that we can learn is, is that we, you, can miss your God moments. Pastor Samuel said something very interesting during his sermon when I was sitting there. He said, you know what? I'm talking about pursuing Jesus. But the truth of the matter is, Jesus is always pursuing you. He's always pursuing you. And he said something really interesting. He says, you know what? It's when we become aware that Jesus is there and he's trying to say something, then that's when the God moments happen. It's when we're aware of it. When we become acknowledged, like, whoa, that was Jesus. The people in these towns saw the great things. They're like, ah, that's just Jesus from Nazareth, the carpenter's son. There's no way, ah. And they discredited it. And I don't want to be someone. I, 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 I wonder, what God moments did I miss in my life? Because I wasn't, I, I wasn't keeping my eyes open, or I just downplayed it to coincidence and luck. Or I'm, I'm grown up in the Lord. I don't, le- I don't need to learn anything more. I don't want to miss any of God's moments that he has for me, that he wants to design for me. And I want to read to you the next verse in Matthew 28. Um, this is actually the NLT version of the message version that I read earlier. And it says this, Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. That's the same verse that I just read in, earlier in the, when I uh, first started. But the reason why I want to read this verse is, is this idea of a yoke. Do you guys know what a yoke is? Okay, I guess I have to tell you guys. Um, a yoke is, back in the day, was uh, something that would join two oxen together and they would pull a plow. And so they're joined together because there's more power in it. And, and sometimes if the ox was too small and, and there was another, a bigger ox, sometimes, you know, they didn't have the strength. And so because they're tied together, they would like go plow in a circle, right? Because they're tied together. And so what Jesus was saying is that we're tied to something. There's a heavy yoke on our shoulders, this burden. And what was this burden? Well, it was our sin. The burden was the law of the Lord, right? The Old Testament law, the Leviticus law that, you know, can any of us live up to that law? If you raise your hand, I'm like, wow, okay, well, we got to get some pointers from you. No, none of us can live up to the law of the Lord. 
That's why Jesus came, right? That's why, exactly why Jesus came, because he wanted to set us free. And how did, how did he do it? He died on the cross for us. He took our sins on, on himself and died the death that we should have died because we can't live up to the law, but he died a perfect, uh, sin, sinless person, and he, and, he, and he died with our sins. He, ba- he bared our sins. He bore our sins. And that's what he did on the cross. And, and because of that, he took the heavy yoke off of our shoulders, the, the yoke of our sin and the yoke of the law. Are you with me? And then something interesting. This is the one thing you need to get. Did Jesus just take the burden off of our shoulders and said, have a great cush life? Did he, does it say that here? No, it actually says he took another yoke, his yoke, and he put it back on us. And yes, this, this yoke is light, and it's easy, and it's like awesome, but can I just say one thing? It's still a yoke, which means you're tied to something. What are you tied to? Jesus Christ. You're tied to Jesus Christ. You're tied to the cause of Jesus Christ. If you read the letters of Peter and Paul, what do you hear? I, I am Peter, a slave to Christ. I am Paul, a bondservant of the Lord. And they're not saying it like depressingly, like I am a slave of Christ. No, they're proud of it because they're saying, you know what? God pulled me out of the pit and I am obligated. I have a holy obligation. I have a calling to be joined to the cause of Christ. And the one thing I want to teach you guys is, is the one thing I said before is that you can miss your God moments, but when you have those God moments, they bind you to Jesus Christ. They yoke you to his cause, which means you might have had all these dreams, all these plans. You wanted the picket white fence and the, and the, uh, the three-bedroom house and the 2.5 kids. You wanted the American dream, and God's all, no, that is not my dream for you. I want you to bind you to my cause and my purposes and my plan. And when he does those incredible things, guess what? It's so easy to go, you know what? I don't want that plan. I want your plan, Lord. I'm going to walk in it. That's what those God moments do. And it yokes you to him. Be yoked to the Lord. Let those experiences yoke you to him, that you're tied to his cause. It's a holy obligation, this calling in the Lord. Um, I want to share one more God story. Are you guys ready for that? Um, it's kind of a weird one. I actually, seriously, all week I had doubts even sharing it, but here I go. Um, me and Pastor Carl, we just back, got back from the Foursquare Convention. That's the denomination that we're a part of. And by the way, the Foursquare Church worldwide is doing amazing things. You should be proud to be part of the Foursquare Gospel International Church. They're doing incredible things. That's, that's, that's where we're from. And so we went there. There was like 3,000 plus pastors and, and workers there, uh, part of the Foursquare denomination, and we worshiped God all week. And so that was great. And I was really excited about that. But you know what else I was excited about? Barbecue. <laughs> Literally, I'm like, I'm eating Texas brisket before I leave Dallas. I'm like, so we're in Dallas. I got an amen for that. Awesome. Um, Dude, it's so good. And so I found a good place, walking distance. We didn't have a car, so we had to walk. Um, and we waited an hour in line for this place. It literally it seemed like a Disneyland ride to me. And I was like, and we finally got it, and it was like literally the, the manna from heaven. I'm like, oh, 
glistening fat and brisket and oh, it was so good. And so we ate the whole thing and I was just like, me and Carl were just like, uh, nap time. And so we walked back to our hotel and we had separate rooms and we looked at each other. We, we literally didn't have to say anything. We're like going, sleep, let's go, bye, good night, I'll, take, I'll call you later. And so we went and for some reason, I, I laid in my bed and I couldn't go to sleep. I was just like, just wired. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to just walk, walk the brisket off. And so I went downstairs and I was walking around Dallas and I am a thrift store junkie. Anybody with me? I love to find other people's trash and turn it into my treasure. I am, I just love that. And Dallas is like, there's so many good places that we were finding over there. And so I, I Googled one place and I, I looked at the directions like, it's a, like a 50 minute walk. I'm going, oh, I can walk off that brisket with that. I'm like going, eh, I'm not sure if I want to walk 50. So I, I uh, look for a bus schedule, whatever it is. And so I, I sat at the bus stop. And the Holy Spirit just kind of spoke something to me. He said, you know what? Don't go to the thrift store. I'm like, Lord, I'm a thrift store junkie. Come on, help me out here. I'm in Dallas. This is it. And he literally said, Matthew 11, like 20, he's like, come with me. Come away with me. Remember those times that I talked with you in, in San Francisco and in, in Seattle? Let me talk to you now. Just come hang out with me. Let me show you something. Literally, I was just like, okay. And so I, I got up, and, and the thrift store was that way, 50 minutes that way. And I just decided, you know what? If you don't want me to go that way, Lord, I'm going to walk this way. So I just walked the exact opposite direction of where that thrift store was. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to walk this way. So I started walking. Walking, I'm talking to the Lord, and that in itself was a fantastic time, just talking to the Lord, just hanging out with him. I turned the corner, and something weird happened. I heard music. I heard this majestic music. It's like, I'm like, what's going on here? I turned the corner, and I saw two huge buildings with mirrored glass, just like, I mean, just, just like, whoa, this is like majestic. And there was a bridge connecting these two buildings. So I'm like, whoa, these, these buildings are connected and what's going on? In the middle of the two buildings was this huge, gigantic fountain. And, and there was water coming out of it and, and it was going with the music. It's like, dun, 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 bruh, bruh, bruh. in the middle of the, of the fountain was this huge, gigantic spire. And on top of the spire was a cross. Come to find out, I just basically walked into the first Baptist church of Dallas. I thought I was in urban heaven. I was like, what? Like, I just, what is going on? And uh, actually, I have a picture of what I saw. This is what I saw. I just turned the corner, you know, and I was like, mm, wow. And um, on the side of the fountain, on this side of the fountain, there was a verse just engraved on the side of the fountain. And it was from John 4. It said, uh, whoever drinks of the water that I give them will never thirst again. That's what it said. I'm like, that's a good verse to put on a fountain. <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> good job, guys. Good job, First Church, Baptist Church of Dallas. And I just sat there, sat, I just took a bench, literally from this view, this is what I saw. Um, and I just, I just hung out with the Lord, and it was such a blessed time. I was just sitting with them, just worshiping him, just listening to the majestic music and the water fountain. And after that, I kind of decided, you know, okay, let's, all right, cool, that's awesome. Thank, thank you, Lord. I started walking again, still hanging out with the Lord. And then a, a novel idea came to me. I'm thirsty. 
I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get something to drink. And, you know, I'm going to go, you know, I'm a coffee connoisseur. I'm like, I'm going to get a cup of coffee somewhere. I'm going to cruise with the Lord there. I'm going to, you know, whatever it is, read my Bible, read in my journal. And so, and I'm not exaggerating. I don't want to exaggerate any stories. Uh, I literally, when the thought came into my mind, I, let me get a drink. Let me go get, get a cup of coffee. Literally 10 feet in front of me was this little A-frame sign. It, it said, Hospitality Cafe. We serve coffee. And I said, all right, I'll go. And so I saw where the sign was pointing to, and I looked, and it was a little confusing because it said, post office. I'm like, okay, there must be a cafe in here somewhere. And so I opened the door, I walked up the stairs, and I looked, and I'm like, wow, it's a post office. There was people with their mail standing in line. You know, it was like, wow, what, what's going on here? And so I'm like, okay, I'm just taking a step of faith here. And I walked all the way to the other side of the building. And finally, it was the hospitality cafe. And so I got up to the counter and I read the, uh, the chalkboard thing. And it said, um, said you know, the, the typical Americano, uh, latte, you know, um, cappuccino. And then there was something really interesting on the chalkboard. It said, flat white. Anybody know what a flat white is? All right, cool. You've been to Australia. Um, when I went to Australia, I spent some time in New Zealand, Australia, and they have, a, they have something called a flat white. It's a coffee. It's like a, it, whatever it is. And that's all they serve there. I went to the Dunkin' Donuts, and I'm like, hey, can I get a, a, just a small coffee? And the lady's all, you made a flat white? I'm all, what? A flat white? You, you want a flat white? I'm all, does it have coffee in it? Yeah, a flat white has coffee. Just give me a coffee. Like, what the? It's like, it's a flat white. I mean, and that, seriously, if you go to Australia, that, they're not going to say coffee. They're going to go, you want a flat white? And I'm sorry if you're Australian. I'm butchering it. And I fell in love in Australia and New Zealand. with flat, Everywhere I went, I drank a flat white. You know, I'm just like, oh, this is so fantastic. And um, that, they, that's the only place I ever uh, saw it. So I thought it was very interesting. I'm in the middle of Dallas, and they have a flat white. And so you know what I did? Oh, flat white. I ordered the flat white. I sat down. And I got the flat white. Something really hit me. And God's all, Tom, I'm trying to show you something here. I sat there with my flat white, and the Holy Spirit just, just downloaded something. He says, you know what? If you come away with me, Tom, if you follow my Holy Spirit, I will lead you to the places that you, the little gems of life. I will lead you to the serendipities of this world. I will lead you to some place where only few know your heart's desire. And I will show it to you, even a flat white. And I sat there, I'm like, and I wrote it in my journal. I'm like, wow, that's, that's pretty big. And I was actually so in awe of that that I actually took a picture of my flat white right in that moment. And there it is. There's my flat white. Doesn't it look delicious? Here's the thing about this story. Like I said, I struggle with telling you this because of one reason. When God said, hey, why don't you share that? And I just told God, you know what I told God? God, that's a dumb story. That, that's stupid. It's a cup of coffee. I, I'm like, I, I was scared. I'm like, no, everyone wants a transformational, like you saved marriage and people delivered from drugs kind of story. Not a cup of coffee. You know what God told me? So, Tom, haven't I done this so many times in your life? Didn't you experience me? I'm all, yes, Lord, that was for me. Didn't you acknowledge that was from me? Yes. Then that was a miracle. Tell about it. And you know what I realized? The miracle was 
was the fact that God knew that I love flat whites and that God knew where they make flat whites and God showed me where to get it. And the one scripture that popped in my head, which has been my life scripture, was Psalm 37.4. You guys know that? Delight in me, and I will give you your heart's desires. And what God reminded me was, seriously, I will take care of the big things in your life. Tom, I will. I will help you in your ministry. I will help the things that you're doing, whatever, those big things for the Lord. But guess what? I'm going to give you the little things too. I'm going to bless you with it. I'm going to give you a cup of coffee. And by the way, didn't I just tell you, whoever drinks of the water that I give them will never thirst. Can I rewrite that? Whoever drinks of the coffee that I give them will never need any caffeine. You know, God gave me a flat white. And he showed me something. And in that moment, let me tell you right now, I felt yoked to the cause of Christ. I felt bound to what God has for me. And that's really what I want to encourage you guys. I want to challenge you guys. God moments aren't going to happen every single day. There's going to be moments where you're going to have to read the Bible and be disciplined and pray to him. And you're going to get nothing from him. I've had those days. But there's going to be days where God's going to design something and you've got to be aware of it. And please don't miss it. Be aware that a cup of coffee can be God speaking to you. And so I want to challenge you, start this week. Um, break your routine in your, in your devotional time. Walk around a little bit. You know, do something different. Worship in your car. I don't know what you need to do, but I challenge you to do that. I want to, I want to close with one thing, and it's a verse from a, a psalm. Uh, not a psalm, actually a hymn. One of my favorite hymns. How many guys know the hymn, O Come Thou Fount? Great song. Go home and, and listen to this song. And one of my favorite lines from this, this hymn is, uh, well, I'm going to read this to you. And I want to, before I, I, I read it to you, I want to do a little definition here. Um, the writer mentions a fetter. And what a fetter is, is a literal chain that holds a prisoner to something, like a metal chain. That's what a fetter is. And this is what the last line of this hymn says. It says, Ode to grace. How great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Isn't that beautiful? What, this, what this, this writer is saying, he's saying, God, I have experienced you. I have experienced your goodness. I've had these God moments in my life in a powerful way. And I want your goodness like a chain, chaining me to what? To you, to keep me from wandering into my own agenda, wandering thrift store hunting, wandering my own plan. I want to be chained to your cause. I want to be yoked to you, Lord Jesus. He's saying that. And he's saying, I'm prone to wander, Lord. I'm prone to walk away. And so you know what he said? He said this most beautiful line. He said, Lord, you know what? Here is my heart. And with my heart, you know what I want you to do with it? 
I want you to take it and seal it. And seal it for the courts above. Seal it for your purposes in my life. Seal it for the plan that you have for me. I don't want anything else. Isn't that beautiful? Let's bow our heads and pray. And I want to do something really quick. Sorry if I'm going long. Um, with every eye closed and head bowed, I just want you to do something. If you feel called, I'm going to, pr- I'm going to pray this verse to God. And if this is the desire of your heart where you want to tell God, God, I want to pursue and expect God moments in my life. So you know what I want to say to you, Lord? Bind me to you. Lord, let your goodness like a fetter keep me from wandering away. Lord Jesus, take my heart right now and seal it for the courts above. Seal it for, seal it for what you would have for me. And Lord, I want to pursue you right now. And I want to expect that these God moments are going to happen in my life. And if that's you this morning, I want you to do something. Uh, please, I'm not forcing anyone to do that. Please, if you're not ready, I totally understand that. God is patient. God is a gentleman. He doesn't force anybody to do that. But I want you to do something, if that is your heart's desire this morning, to kind of hold your hands in front of you like you're giving him your heart. Kind of like, Lord, take and seal it. Here's my heart. And if that's your heart, just hold your hands in front of you, kind of like you're worshiping him, but with the open hand, just kind of hold it in front of you. And I'm going to say this verse like it's a prayer to God. Here we go. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I am constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Lord Jesus, here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I want to say one more prayer. I just want to make sure that everyone here is a born-again Christian, that you are a follower of Christ. If you don't think you are, or maybe, maybe you're coming back, maybe you made a dedication a long time ago, and you're saying, I want to rededicate my life. I want to make sure this morning, I don't want to leave this place without doing this, is that you would dedicate your life to Jesus this morning. And how do you do that? Well, all you have to do is tell Jesus that you believe what he did, that you're acknowledging the miracle of the life that he gave on the cross for you. And because of his life on the cross, you are forgiven. You have become a child and adopted son of the Lord. That's what he did on the cross. He took your sin, he took your burden, he took that yoke off of you. And he has put his grace and his love and his goodness upon you. And all he's, all he's asking is acknowledge that he did that. And in that moment, you're telling him, I will follow you. I'll give, my, give you my life because of that. 
If you want to say that prayer with me this morning, I want to actually know if you're praying with me to dedicate or rededicate your life to Jesus. I'm going to count to three. And on the count of three, all I ask is that you raise your hand. And when you raise your hand, you're saying, Pastor Tom, I want to dedicate my life to Jesus this morning. I want to follow him. I believe what he did. So here we go. One, two, three. Does anybody want that tonight or just uh, today, this morning? Awesome. Leave your hand up. We got one, two. We got how many? Anybody else? Three, four. Awesome. Five, six. Oh, a bunch. Okay, awesome. Cool. Seven back there. Cool. I'm, I'm confused. I'm seeing a lot of hands here. That's cool. Awesome. There's... There's a bunch. That's, I've lost count. I'm so sorry. Awesome. You know what the most awesome thing? I just saw a father and, this, and, and their son raise their hand. That's incredible to me. That's awesome. Love that. Oh, gosh. Okay, right now, put your hands down and say this prayer under your breath. Lord Jesus, I believe what you did on the cross. You died for me. You gave your life for me. And because of that, I am forgiven of sin. So sorry that I haven't come to you early, but earlier, but here I am now. I am giving you my life. I believe that you rose again from the grave three days later. And so, Lord Jesus, you have conquered sin and death in my life. I'm an adopted child of God. And I declare you my Lord and my Savior and my friend and my King. I thank you in Jesus' precious name. We all say amen. Let's give those people a hand. <laughs> Woo, salvation is in the house. Yeah. If you just raise your hand, I just want to say congratulations. There's a couple things. Go get baptized at the beach bash. Go get baptized at the beach bash. What baptism is, is just you're declaring to God and to everybody, that they get to witness that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. We put you in the water, bring you back up, and you're like, yeah, I'm a new creation in Christ. That's, that's all baptism is. Uh, so get baptized. Uh, we have free Bibles at the Connect Center. If you're new, go to the Connect Center. If you need prayer, we have a great prayer team that would love to pray for you this morning as well. Uh, but with that, let's sing one more last song.